pleasure to have Diane Azevedo. Diane is the Vice President of Operations at Gab Communications. I love that name, Gab Communications. <laughs> <laughs> Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Maurice and Gary, for having me. It's exciting to be here. Ah, it's so it's so cool to be to have you. There's no doubt about that. Well, we we were introduced by a friend. He said you gotta you gotta talk to her, and I thought, all right, let's do this thing. And first of all, we tell us a little bit about Gap Communications because it it is a very unique company, and you're doing some pretty cool cool things to help kids and technology uh, kind of meet together. So go ahead, explain that. Gab Wireless is such a, a passionate company about our mission and protecting kids. We believe in safe tech in steps, right? So right now kids are just getting devoured by social media and technology and being exposed to things so early and, you know, <clears throat> self-image, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and just really being able to develop those social skills and communication skills that, you know, you and I never had those issues because we didn't um, have uh, technology at our fingertips, access to that so early on in our lives. So we were able to evolve um, in different ways and, and grow and develop. And we are very passionate here at Gab about protecting kids and introducing technology in a safe, environment and steps where they can grow into it. And so our products and our mission is fully um, developed for for that. So it's exciting. It is exciting because what I look at all the things that my kids get into on social media and it's how do you, you don't want to say police it. <laughs> right? And from what I could, from what I could understand, this is something that they learn at their own pace, and they're able to do this uh, as, as an individual. But also, it gives us the opportunity as parents to really, to really help out in that endeavor too. Is is that? Am I off on that? No, you're right. So our our technology is, you know, we have a CROM, so it's a custom. Um, ROM for our devices. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they have no access to internet browsers or so social media platforms. There's no apps on the device. It's a GPS and full um, call and text, right? So a regular device. And um, it has been, you know, such a blessing to see. I personally am a single mom of four and I have two of my younger children on the devices and they actually transitioned for from an iPhone to a Gab phone. And that was a bit painful, right? Um, <laughs> they were not very happy with me. Uh, however, seeing the different um, exposure that they had versus my older kids and how much more they're able to evolve and them being self-aware now like they're eating lunch at school with their friends and everybody's on their devices and they're like guys we're right here together let's communicate let's talk let's go for a walk rather than be in front of the screen and so it is something our technology is very unique right um and we don't need any parental controls. So that eliminates that, um, I, you know, 
combat that you have as parents with the kids and, and <clears throat> monitoring or helicoptering, um, where we allow the kids to have autonomy, still being connected. We're passionate about keeping parents and kids connected, um, however, without exposing them. And so it really uh, provides an entry level uh, form of communication that's safe for these kids. And it's, it's something that we're super passionate about. It's something I'm I'm feeling pretty passionate about right now too. <laughs> I think I can. I need to get my kids on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. I have a twenty a twenty year old and a nineteen year old, and uh, my two youngest just turned fifteen and and fourteen, and so my two older ones really were they're good kids, right? Yeah. But they had to go through things of. of that really affected their self-love, self-image, um, bullying, feeling like they're not good enough, yeah. or perhaps, you know, getting addicted to gaming or other things that they just, uh, my younger ones have not had to deal with. And it's such a, a, a different mentality, right? Yeah. And really educating the, the kids, yeah. having those difficult conversations and becoming ideally we really want to become the thought leader like this is why you need to communicate with your child this is why they learn to develop the skills that they need to and really understand like this is not good for me just like you know we're not gonna um say kids go you know have drugs at you know <laughs> age 15 and 16 we shouldn't shouldn't do that right or learn how to shoot a gun at that age unsupervised, we don't do that. Right. Those are things that we keep very safe as parents. We wanna maintain our kids' safety and protect them. Um, but a smartphone is as dangerous at times and technology is so powerful and we love technology, but how do we introduce that to our kids in a, in a way that allows them to grow with technology yeah. without giving them full access at such a young age? And how do you come back that, you know, peer pressure from their peers and, and kids coming to you and pushing back saying, no, I really want the smart device. I want that app. I want to be able to do X, Y, Z. And so anyway, I can go on forever on this topic. So, <laughs> as a mom, I'm super passionate about um, the mental health and development of our children and this generation, they're so powerful, but they're also bombarded. Yes, they are. Bombarded left and right. And how do we shield them from that? And this is just one way. Man, you know what I really appreciate about this is you made me realize one thing about giving a, a, um, my daughter's iPhones. It's like, hey, guess what? Thousand pound bench press right now. Here it's all, it's all, <laughs> and you drop it on them. And it's just, uh, it's overwhelming, but this gives you those step-by-step -step pieces without realizing that you're being, it's not that you're restricted at all, but building upon each step so that you could get to that, that ultimate goal. Um, and I love how that is something that is not deemed as uh to your point, the helicopter parent. Uh, no, you can't do that. No, what are you watching it? I, I really love that that avenue right there. And I have a feeling you folks you folks have just solved my problem with our eighth grade, our seventh grade boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you're uh, this, this whole thing kind of reminds me of uh, something that happened when I was I think I was probably in fourth grade or whatever, but we went out to the playground and we were all, you know playing football or whatever. And somebody came across a, a, a playboy on, on the playground 
And we were just like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like this, this huge deal. And, you know, I remember thinking, you know, later on, what, what a big deal that was for a little fourth grader. But when you give someone an iPhone, you're not only giving them that, you're giving them access to just everything. And not only that, you've lost absolute control over what, what the, that child is, is getting, because we all know the strength of algorithms in, in different apps and things like that. And I think, I don't know if a lot of people realize um, there's a, a, a big goal of app developers is time on the device yeah. is keeping that, that face glued to the screen. And so I think it's interesting what you guys are doing. Can you kind of describe, you know, kind of what you, you see as the progression or, or a, a good, a good pathway for a child as they take the next steps, you know, to get, you know, full access, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the Gab Watch right now. It's one of our most popular devices. Gab Watch is for the younger child. It's, it's a communication. They have 10 contacts that they can contact and parents choose that through the MyGab app. Um, and they have pre-set text messages that they can send and they can send voice over text, right? Um, messages to parents. Um, they have Gab Go, which is a game that teaches them responsibilities and earning um, a work ethic, right? So they get to do chores and homework and they get earn coins and they get to pet the little animal that they choose. And that animal, they have to take care of it. Um, and so that transitions into the Gab phone and our Gab phone um, is unlimited call and text and GPS, and it doesn't have uh, any web browser or apps, right? right. Um, and then from there, we will be um, launching some new devices here soon that hopefully will have um, will have features that will have a little bit older demographic, right? So, um, and we are building some apps. Um, that are really curated, right? So maintaining our mission of safety and yep. connection um, that we see that fit needs for that age group, right? As they're growing, where we want to give them what they want for music or perhaps other things that they need um, in accessing schools, school apps and some features um, without exposing them to all of it. You know, yeah. when we used to be connected, um, it was a beeper, you know, and that beeper, you know, it was code 911. You knew you had to call home or, you know, friends, very brief messages. And that was a, a transition into then when the mobile phones launched, right? But we never really indulged in being in front of the screen or being addicted to these apps that are constantly designed, like you mentioned, to maintain us in front of the screen. Um, and so we really want to introduce, and obviously as, you know, once they graduate our devices, they will have a healthy habit of usage of technology that they will transition ideally into a smart device at the appropriate age um, when the parents decide, you know, hopefully in, you know, junior, senior year of high school where they're becoming adults, more independent, and they have to be able to 
be exposed to everything. And we realize that, right? Yeah. What we are trying to do is really mitigate um, the pain points that they're currently facing. You know, suicide rate amongst children have yeah. increased drastically. Yeah. And yeah. mostly that comes from social media pressures and mental health and and what that evil all that ecosystem contains yes and so how do we protect our, our cherished kids like these are our treasures how do we protect them from all of that and it's really introducing healthy habits with technology at their appropriate age, right? And transitioning them because they have to progress and they have to be able to manage that. But we want to be the thought leader. We want to create um, an opportunity for parents to have those difficult conversations with their children and really express like, these are the exposures that you would have and this is why, and this is what you have right now to you know, prevent you from going through that. Like you mentioned, working out, we can't just go run a marathon today. Yeah. <laughs> I would be on the side of the road, passed out. Take me, by me too. Me too. That'd be me. Hydrated. My joints would hurt. Um, it's a progression, right? Yes. You go run a mile, you run a 5k, you run a half a marathon, you train. It is the same process and mentality for technology use, at least for a gap. Yep. Gary, I, I don't know about you, but there's so many previous shows that just popped into my mind with, uh, that spoke about mental health, but then to have actually a tool to be able to provide, especially from a kid's standpoint, which would be vital. Matter of fact, I'm thinking of a number of people that I want to connect you to uh, the Kite Project, Gary. I mean, for the kids, this would be huge. Uh uh, so there's there's some some things that we will definitely be talking off uh, offline. <laughs> but, so I I've got to do a transition. We've talked about Gab. Gab is just a fabulous company. I am grateful with the Isaac Jacobson for putting us together for this. Um, and I have a feeling we'll we'll be revisiting this. But the other thing that I want to delve into is we when we were speaking before. You, you had this really cool career, career progression, sorry, I can't speak this morning, uh, to, to the vice president of operations. And you were sharing with me how you, how you grew up in Puerto Rico and was a single mom. And now you're here. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing that, uh, that journey because you know that there are so many inspirational points in that uh, along with some very, very strong trials, I'm sure. But uh, if 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 that's not too big of an ask, uh, that that'd be a that I think that'd be a very powerful story. Well, um, like I mentioned, I've never really shared my story uh, fully, so this is uh, a little intimidating for me. But um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, and I'm super passionate about my cultural and my background in that. Um, my first language is Spanish and, um, you know, we grew up very poor, uh, and I have two siblings. So I'm the middle child and, um, my mom and my siblings and I are best friends and we are each other's cheerleaders and support system. And my dad, um, you know, he suffered from, uh, he's a drug addict and an alcoholic. 
And so we really struggled um, growing up. My childhood was not um, the most um, sunny, I would say. Um, And, you know, I remember I learned a lot of a lot of good lessons that I really hold dear to my heart today and then who have shaped me and made me who I am. Um, You know, I remember at, you know, very young age, kindergarten, uh, looking at my dad and saying, I will never, ever in my life drink alcohol or um, touch drugs. And that was a decision that I made. And little Diane at that time that knew, you know, that all we had to eat was white rice because he would sell all of our things and um, saw my mom struggle and trying to break the cycle and protect us from that um, was very, very hard. And as a teenager, we later moved to Florida and my family, my parents finally got divorced, which was a really big blessing for us because, you know, it was a very toxic and dangerous situation. Um, but I remember, you know, my mom, siblings and I uh, living in our car for two weeks behind the Winn-Dixie and, and Poinciana uh, because that was what we had to do to escape the the toxic situation where he, he was abusive, unfortunately, um, until, you know, we were able to get, my mom was able to get on her feet and she worked two full-time jobs. She is my hero. Yeah. Yeah. That woman is, I apologize for getting emotional, but she went hungry. We went hungry and she went hungry. Um, and gave us the little bit that we had so that we can eat. So, and she worked tirelessly to provide for us. And I recall vividly ever since that, when we finally were able to move into an apartment, our, we were the most stable we've ever been in my whole life. And at this, you know, at this point I am in high school and I, we never moved again. Um, our power was never shut off our electricity. We always had water. We always had food and she worked 14 hour days Wow! for the rest of her life until I, until the kids got out of the house. And that woman is all I'd look up to. She taught me work ethic. She taught me never rely on anyone. I expect nothing from no one. You want to see a change. You are the change and be resourceful and believe in yourself. And we have always been each other's cheerleaders and we're like a locked uh, chain loops, right? Yeah. Elbow to elbow. And we lift one another and we struggle together. But, you know, that transitioned me into going to college and um, I got married young and had four children soon after. And, you know, I also ended up in a, in a relationship where we just weren't a match and ended up getting a divorce um, after 16 years of marriage. So that was very, very difficult for me. Um, while I was getting my MBA, that happened right when I started my MBA. And so at this point, um, you know, my undergrad I was super passionate about my family and being available as a parent. I wanted to be very present and break the cycle. My whole life, I've been 
in fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to ensure that my children never lived what I lived through and protect them from that and provide them a different opportunity, right? Um, and, of life and quality. Mm-hmm. And so I my undergrad is in secondary education and the Spanish literature. And um, I was always interested in business. So I had a minor in entrepreneurship, international trade. And so um, throughout when I had my kids little, I had multiple small businesses, cleaning companies, um, and I had a, a few team of employees where we would clean dealerships and, and just earn an income from home while I still was able to be a mom because that was my number one priority. And being an educator, I really wanted to work and bring and support the family, but still have summers off, get out of school when they were off, right? And be there with them. But you know, educators, unfortunately, don't get paid well. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, I have very strong opinions about that, but I was <laughs> for the sake of this. Uh, and that transitioned me into an opportunity to work at a law firm. Um, and I recall vividly going in and being a litigation paralegal, which I was had never done before, but I had an incredible mentor within the firm and I was able to learn and be very skilled at that. And while starting my MBA program, um, a newly divorced single mom of four young kids working, you know, 65 hours a week. um, I was able to use one of my class projects and, um, have the opportunity to do a business analysis of a local business. And I asked my employer if I could do it of them. And they gave me the opportunity to do that. And then I made recommendations and suggestions on how they can make changes to their business model to be more profitable and scale and absorb more workload. And I really became, um, and they, I remember my very first, I think, pivotal moment was where my boss, one of the partners of the firm, Brett Bolton, Um, he believed in me and he gave me the opportunity. And I, today, am so grateful for him because he gave me the opportunity to implement and apply all that I was learning through my master's program, help them within their business and help myself learn, have that experience. Um, And that was a very pivotal moment in my career. Um, From there, you know, implementing processes and the effectiveness of these processes and the iteration and measuring that against our KPIs and how can we um, support the scale and the goals overall of of the firm um, and maximize the current resources that we had um, in order to, to, achieve that goal without, you know, cause we, it was a smaller business, so they didn't have big budgets. Um, but I was able to do that and it benefited them, but it mostly it benefited me. Right. And then from there, I was able to transition to a SaaS company. I was, I was recruited. So at the firm, we vetted a, a software that we wanted <laughs> to use. And, um, I was able to 
implement this software within the firm and use it in a robust way that really maximized and mitigated our liability um, within the legal industry, right, for statute limitations. And and it became a a way um, of really mitigating the user error, right? So the the company asked me to speak at their tech conference (laughs) and teach that to others um, that were their users. And that became almost like my interview, I think. Um, And um, then they heavily recruited me to come on board and be um, a solutions engineer for them, which was phenomenal. I was able to consult with really big firms on what was their business model and strategy and how to change that in order to really increase uh, productivity within their teams. And it became my niche right? Using limited resources to implement processes, be resourceful. And how do you utilize these same puzzle pieces and reshape them to get a a different outcome? Um, And did really well there. And then, you know, through my master's, I was able to work with a company, um, do an internship with a company out of Germany and Austria. Wow. um, And did a business um, we, as a team, we developed a business model for them to enter the U S market. And that really gave me additional exposure as to, you know, how do businesses operate outside of this country? Um, what are the pain points? How do they market is a completely different model oh, yeah. than what we do. Right. And so that was a great experience. And through Utah Valley university, I was able to, um, speak at a little event and that got me some additional exposure because that our project, our internship did really, really well. And I had them, I, today, my, some of my professors are my greatest mentors and I am forever grateful for them sharing their knowledge and just support and connecting me at, you know, at a stage where I really wanted to, I was so hungry for change and for learning and Professor Milligan and Professor Mortensen and Huff and (laughs) so many of them that today I still call them when I have a big decision to make. I I talk through the issue that I have and and request their expertise, right? Um, So I am indebted to, to that program and to them as humans and for caring. But that led to being at an event, right, where I met the founder of Gab Wireless. And he, we connected, spoke for 15 minutes or so, exchanged contact info, and a year went by, nothing happened. Um, and I was doing well in my career. But then he heavily recruited me from uh, <laughs> work at Gab and to be their VP of operations. And... Um, you know, at that point I was so excited. I had reached like little Diane never expected to be living at this moment, which was her dream. But how, how does that little child with no resources, generational trauma, um, get to this level? It it seemed like a never, the goal, the dream was there, but it seemed like I would never get there. 
And so I was doing really well and wasn't interested really in making a shift because I seek stability. I need stability and I am used to being at my jobs for a very long time. And I had just transitioned into that software company. And so I consulted with, with Gab for a few months to ensure that I was a good match for them and that they were a good match for me because as a single mom, I could not afford to make a bad decision when making a a job change. And um, it worked out great. And when I I came on board, all of operations was outsourced. Um, And I started doing due diligence and learning from the business and the industry and how we could bring that in-house in order to really um, learn from our customers, improve the customer experience, and reduce the costs, the overhead costs, and protect the bottom line, right, to make us more profitable. And I was able to do that little by little. And yeah, we are here. We are thriving. It's very (laughs) difficult to support. We have an incredible Uh, workforce. Our talent is superb. Everyone here is so brilliant, really. Um, And they're very unique niche and they've done it before. They've done it for big corporations. So how do you support operationally a hyper growth? And a hyper growth is is not happening just for a few months. It's been two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's only going to continue. Oh, yeah. And so our our pillars of the operations have to be a very strong foundation while still being nimble and agile to be able to iterate. Cause I feel like our strategy two months ago is not what it is today. Yeah. And that's how we've been operating um, for a couple of years now where it is very difficult to maintain the same process because our business is ever changing yeah. and growing. Right. And so we have, I personally have an incredible um, team that's, they're so talented and it's my job and pleasure to work with them and ensure that collectively together, we are making decisions. Um, That's one of my, I guess, mantras that you can say is that when we have to make a strategic, strategic decision or a change, I make it with all of my directors, all of my management, because I never want to push an idea or uh, a change onto them. I want together for us to think about it, right? And find the best solution. And we have option A, B, and C. A is the most optimal, right? And if that doesn't work, we're going to change and we're going to go here. However, our foundation is, is still intact, right? Our platforms, our systems, are there and our processes might slightly change but we collectively as a whole maintain the strength of the company um, in order to be able to support our growth and so it's been a (laughs) phenomenal you know no passion there at all no No, yeah no 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 no. (laughs) i've got i've got to mention that well not first of all i wish i was there giving you a high five and a hug because <laughs> this story is ridiculous and inspirational because think of this, looking back at where you came from and your, your circumstances back then, the common assumption would be, you know, that's going to be a tough thing to, to break away from. Right. And, and to see where you are now 
and the generational impact that your, your tenacious mother had on you. You've talked about all of these things about the VP of operations and so on and so forth that started at such humble beginnings, but the example of a mother that cared in a way that, that uh, so many need nowadays. And the other thing that really stood out to, to mine was you started to extend that, that familial feeling to all the others that helped you along the way. And now they're all mentors and I'm sure you're a reverse mentor right back. Uh, it, it's amazing to see the journey because at each touch point, there was someone that exuded that belief that exuded that example. And now I can only imagine the impact that you're having on your daughters right now or your kids. I don't know if you have sons as well, but <laughs> it, it just, it, it does. It blows my mind because when, when they understand what grandma went through and that they have all these, these wonderful things because of that wonderful example, it, it just, it, it just fairly validates why the example is so huge generationally uh, moving forward. And I'm, wondered what what is it that you've been able to teach your kids or do your kids know about all this stuff you know <laughs> you know Maurice this is something that um I struggle with a little bit as a parent because I my daughter actually my 19 year old she's my second second one she recently a, a couple of months ago and said mom I know nothing about you and I'm like I was like, what do you mean you know nothing about me? Like, you don't speak of your past. Like anything we know is because of my sister, their titi, they call her. And for me, that was almost like a slap in the face, right? I've always, they know bits and pieces of, of my childhood, but I never, I wanted, I never wanted to be in, live in my past. I never wanted my past to be my present. Sure. And so I almost like compartmentalized that so deep with inside me that I never, I almost blocked off some of the things that we went through as a form of, of coping. Right? right. And so I don't speak of it often enough. Although I do say, um, you know, now we've had more candid conversations just because I was so focused on growth mindset, um, being mindful, a mi mindful lifestyle and changing, um, breaking that cycle that I was hyper-focused in my future yeah. and growing and growing and progressing. And I felt like sharing my story, I would be discriminated upon in a way mm -hmm. in the workforce as a female minority, um, single mom, like where are all my odds, you know, this <laughs> coming at me left and right. And, um, I, I've struggled with being vulnerable in the workspace mm -hmm. where I apologize, but it hasn't been until recent where I have felt safe in my environment. And that's grateful because of Isaac Jacobson, you know, my peer, yeah. Nate Randall, um, Jeffrey Mendez, one of my mentors, where and my professors where they they are my cheerleaders and and they see value in who I am as a person and what I bring to the table and not what who who I was and what I lived through right yeah and so what i have hopefully instilled in my kids is not to 
goals are ideas, right? Dreams are ideas, but you have to do the work. You have to fall in love with the commitment. You have to drive in and, and I cannot work anybody. That's the one thing <laughs> I, I am super confident in, right? And I, I am very humble in my errors and my weaknesses as a leader, as a human, hyper aware of them almost, right? right? But one thing that I am 100% confident is I am not afraid of hard work. And I cannot work anybody in this in, in Utah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I cannot work for you, which is totally fine. Um, but falling in love with the commitment and that you are in control of your present and your future, no matter what. Yeah. And that if you stay authentic to who you are and yourself, yeah. people will want to um, connect you and mentor you and teach you. And what are you giving in return? Are you bringing someone value? Are you uplifting someone? Are you encouraging others to share and shine their light? I am in competition with myself always, no one else. And I hope that I've ingrained that in my children. Um, I, they would tell you a thousand other different things, I'm sure. But, um, that's what I hope and and what I've learned from my mother, and I hope to pass down to them. Yeah, I, so I, I just want to make an observation. So first of all, I think you are at a point in your career where you have not leaned or used some of that stuff that you've been concerned about as far as advancing your career, I think your story is so powerful. I think it's time to start sharing it, Diane. I think it's time to start motivating or inspiring others because it is so inspirational. Like I, I'm sitting here and I had to like pinch myself because I, I realized, hey, wait a minute, I can actually talk back or ask questions because <laughs> I just get so engrossed with it. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you and is about another pivot point potentially with little Diane. Like, how do you go from living in a car for a couple of weeks behind, you know, behind some establishment or whatever to where now I'm going, I, I fully realize and understand that I can go to college. Like to me, that yeah. that's, I, I want to know more about that. To me, it's so intriguing to me. Um, I'm a first generational student. So um, I was the first one going to college in my immediate family. And to the day, the only one that got a bachelor's and a master's, um, I, my mom always ingrained in me, like you do better than I did. And you go do, go to college. That's how your life is going to change. That's how you're going to have opportunities. And, you know, college is not for everyone. You know, my oldest will say, mom, that's not for me, you know, and technical schools and other, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. College for me has been my outlet. And I honestly, no one in my family had done it. I was so intimidated by it. I felt inadequate. I didn't have the resources for it. Um, but I desperately wanted stability and change. And I was so hungry, like to till today, I hope I never lose that, that hunger for knowledge, hunger for for growth, for change, for progression. Um, And I was betting on me and I had my mom who cheered me on. And till the day, you know, there are some things that I still am working through uh, personally, 
but that breaking that cycle for me has always been so instilled just from my experience, right? Like I never want to live that life again. And if I am the only one capable to change that, and that's something that my mom always told me, like, depend on no one, whatever you want and need, go work for it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it, it was almost like, you know, some people fall into that trap, right? Because it yeah, really yeah. is a, a vicious cycle. Um, and others shot, like want a full repellent of it. And that is me. <laughs> I, I want to be fully repelled. Spray me with that bug re repellent because I never <laughs> want to be there, right? Um, and I just saw my mom work so hard so so hard and struggle for so long um and here i am you know 16 years later finding myself in the same predicament <laughs> and sure. it was probably my biggest failure in life i felt as though at that time i was like i failed i failed my kids i tried so hard i had this vision and where did i go wrong where did i go wrong where you know, and divorce is difficult for everyone. And I see it now as a big blessing. It's a, it was a blessing for my ex-husband and for myself and for my kids. And it helped me grow in different ways. Um, but I'm grateful for, for those experiences as a child and for seeing my mom be so resourceful with so little means and be able to do so much for it. And, you know, I lived like that for such a long time, even after having, you know, success in my career and, and quadrupling my income from <laughs> the time that I was there, I still lived that way because it was so hard for me to make the mental switch and that pivot um, where it was abundance. Yeah, I was, yeah. I've always been in scarcity, scarcity yeah. that it, it, in fight or flight um, that really, I see that as it, it was probably one of my biggest um, attributes as an employee, because I knew how to do with very little, mm -hmm. right, and how to be very lean in everything, yeah. um, personally and professionally. So it was, it's been a blessing. It's a skill that I treasure. Um, but I'm finally at a place like you mentioned, Gary, that I am no longer living in my past, fear of my past. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer living in the idea of my future. I am finding joy in my present. And that's mm. really, Ooh, really difficult. I mean, it's been a journey and it's a really beautiful, joyful moment where I can truly find, say, I am happy with who I am as a human. I am happy where I am in my work life. And I am grateful for all of the lessons I've learned in life. And that has been a lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of hard work and beautiful circle of supporters. Mm -hmm. They have cheered me on, have mentored me, have been by my side, have lifted me at my darkest moments. And I will never ever forget 
Well, I, I just want to say that you have definitely honored your mother's efforts, your mentor's efforts in you. I mean, it's so exciting to see. I mean, it's especially just, I don't know, I, I keep going back to your mom and what an incredible person your mom is, must be. I mean, how, how incredible, just the things that she has overcome. And, and the thing that I, that I think is interesting is in, in a way she sacrificed her generator, like her life for all you guys, you know what I mean? And, and what, what, you know, how incredible is it to sacrifice your life for someone else's and then, then for, and then for you to honor that is just amazing. That's a, such an incredibly powerful story. And I thank you for sharing that. Well, and I wanted to add on to that. Despite that sacrifice, I can't imagine the joy that she sees in your successes, but also in the, in the growth that your children are making. Um, there are a couple of things that really stood out. And that is you challenge your own assumptions there or your own fears. You went and you got there and you felt, this isn't so bad. I'm just going to grind it out. I'm going to outwork it. I'm going to do this. And you started to make these realizations. And then you were, you're saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry for being vulnerable. But the fact of the matter is, it's because of those vulnerabilities that you not only develop strengths, but you instill those strengths in others in a way that you probably would never have done if you, if you so-called fake it till you make it type of thing. And so there's, a, there's a, a, a very pure genuineness in the things that you have been, have been sharing here that I think are very impactful for the people that will be listening to this because they're going to realize it's okay to start from humble beginnings. They're going to realize that it's okay to start trying and start from uh, a very, uh, maybe a very low threshold and keep on progressing. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And just to see all your life's experiences uh, culminate in, into your position and to see how that continues to impact other individuals, not only in your family life, but everywhere that you come into contact with, because it's not coming from a position of power. It's coming from a position of experience, understanding, and heart. And that is something that is almost impossible to find in any business climate nowadays. And so- And how, and how cool is it that you've transitioned into a business that where now you're also helping children? Yes, I mean, it's like exactly. It's, just all, <laughs> it's so awesome. It all kind of just comes together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love what I do. I love who I work with. We, this is something that um, I'm super passionate about. Like I am a men mentor for a lot of young women. I, I feel yes. like I, I'm passionate about mentoring anyone, right? Mm -hmm. But minority, underrepresented females, it is so difficult for, for them to see the opportunities that they have because of all of the cultural differences and perhaps you know, difficulty in the workforce uh, to be able to scale at, to a position at, at, as I have. And I feel like I learned from them, you know, learning where they're at in their journey and being able to say, okay, here's where I can help and you can do this. People believe in you. I have that here at Gab still. I have mentors. My peers are my mentors. Outside of Gab, I have mentors. And I feel like we have such a beautiful culture. I've been part of many organizations which 
they're all thriving and great companies, but it is a very different dynamic to be able to work in an environment where it cultivates and it empowers and it shines light and it gives you autonomy and it gives you opportunity to be creative. I'm not an artist, but my way of showing creativity is breaking things apart and putting them back together and making it more efficient, right? And my leadership team and my peers here at Gab literally infuse that. And it's a thrill to come to work, not only because we're passionate about protecting kids and our mission and developing a product that will withstand the hacks of the world, right? Um, but really thriving in your workspace professionally and personally, that's unique. That's huge. That is huge. I mean, it, it, because there's consistency in everything and you're, it, it's, it's who you are. <laughs> it really is. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, <laughs> but I'm impressed. Gab's great. I am incredibly impressed with who you are. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing that story and, and being vulnerable like that. Thank you. Thank you guys so much.